All right, greetings to all of our campuses. We are so glad that all of you are here. I am super excited about all that God is doing at Christ Community and all that he's going to do this coming year. There are some amazing things ahead for us as a church. I'll be sharing more details about that in February. I can't wait. Uh, Before we jump into the message, I want to take a moment and let you know about an upcoming staff change. Craig Burden, our director of local outreach, will be transitioning out of his role later this month. Craig has been an incredible blessing to our church in so many ways. Early on, his leadership was was crucial during a pivotal time in shaping and leading our our youth ministry. Later, he was equally instrumental in the development and execution of many of our local outreach initiatives, including our ShareFest event. Um, Craig's leadership here um, was marked by being a man of quiet strength, a great problem solver full of compassion and, and wisdom. We, we love Craig and are grateful, so grateful for his ministry here. And we pray God's blessing on him as he pursues the next opportunity that, that God is leading him towards. Let me also um, here just give kind of a a quick and cool generosity update. Our Caring Connection offering on Christmas Eve was over $22,000, and we were able to give $10,000 away to RISE, which is an organization that helps people escape the cycle of poverty in in our community. And also, because of your year-end generosity, our budget shortfall was cut in half, um, which we're we're still behind budget, but uh, we did make some huge progress. So thank you to all of you who give so generously to this church. You guys are amazing. And you may be wondering, why are we giving money away um, when we're behind budget? Well, we want to be a generous church. (laughs) And that means um, having an open hand with the resources God has provided. And we want our heart to be a generous heart. And we know that that is God's heart. And so we're trusting him to provide in the same way individually that we're we're doing that. We want to model that as a church. So that's very, very cool that we can do that. And uh, we as a church can do that. So good job, church. Okay. So a few months ago, um, yeah, you want to clap about that? Absolutely. Praise God. So a few months ago, uh, Raylene and I decided to rearrange things in our master bedroom. Um, and this involved moving our desktop computer from our bedroom to another uh, recently, one of the recently vacated rooms in our house. You know, when kids go to college, suddenly the rooms are kind of fair game, you know, um, they're sort of up for grabs. And so we moved our computer into Caleb's room and got everything set up. But for some reason, our wireless internet connection would not work, even though it was literally only about 20 feet away from where it had been before. It would not connect to the network consistently. And so first I tried to troubleshoot. I moved the computer back, you know, and the keyboard back to our bedroom just to make sure nothing had happened in the move. And again, it worked fine. So then I called technical support and I got a guy who told me I needed to upgrade to Windows 10, which I did. And that didn't help. In fact, we're still trying to recover some files that disappeared from that. So I called again and it finally got someone that seemed to know what was going on. They seemed to know how to fix this. He told me, to go down to Best Buy and get this thing called a USB wireless adapter, which is an amazing thing. You plug it into the USB port on your computer and it boosts the computer's ability to connect to the Wi-Fi router. So in a few minutes, I did that few minutes, our problem was completely solved. I mean, that one little device gave us the, 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 the wireless power booster that we needed. Now, wouldn't it be awesome 
if there was something like that for our spiritual lives, a spiritual power, you know, a power booster of source, something that would increase our spiritual connectivity with God and open doors for greater impact. Well, guess what? There is, there is something like that. There is a spiritual power booster that can have that kind of impact on our spiritual lives. And we're going to talk about it today. We're, we're in the second week of a teaching series on prayer. We're calling this series Prayer, Connecting Your Heart to God's. I mean, that's what prayer is. It is this amazing opportunity we have to connect our heart with what is on God's heart. We, we, we are learning about prayer from the example of Nehemiah. And what I love about using Nehemiah as a prayer example for us is that Nehemiah doesn't fit the praying stereotype. You know, for many of us, when we think about prayer, we often view it as this thing primarily reserved for super spiritual religious people who have lots of time on their hands. You know, pious people, people who speak us in old English, right? People who know us with an you know, abundance of big religious words. I mean, certainly not, certain prayer is certainly not for, for those in the real world, right? But, but Nehemiah totally shatters that mold. He is not a priest who focuses all of his time on spiritual things. No, no, he was a, he was a working man. Nehemiah was the cupbearer to King Artaxerxes, meaning he tasted the wine, he tested the food before the king ate it to make sure it wasn't poisoned. I mean, Nehemiah is an ordinary guy, clocking into work every day, just doing his job. But as we will see, Nehemiah was also a person of faith, and his faith was very real to him. It was not a one-day-a-week faith where, where God is the focus of his life only during church services. No, Nehemiah lived his faith, even in the workplace. And one of the most powerful evidences of this was his prayer life. Prayer was a critical part of Nehemiah's everyday life, which is why I love using him as an example for us. He shows us that prayer is not simply for the super spiritual. It's for all of us. Businessmen and women, teachers, oil field workers, nurses, salespeople, waitresses, stay-at-home moms, students. Prayer can be a way of life for all of us. And Nehemiah shows us how that's possible. So let me read beginning in verse 1 of Nehemiah chapter 1. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Han and I, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. Okay, so let me briefly explain the context. At this point in history, the Jewish people are in exile. Kind of similar to what we're seeing today in places like Syria, where people are, are for, they're, they're being forced to leave their home country because of a war that's going on. So Jerusalem had been destroyed by Babylonia years earlier. And so that's when the, the, the Jewish, Jewish people were taken into, into exile. But eventually, under the rule of the Medes and Persians, some Jews had, had more recently had been allowed to go back to Jerusalem, which is the Jewish home city, right? Go back to Jerusalem and begin rebuilding. And so, so um, as Nehemiah is serving King Artaxerxes in Persia, one of his brothers comes um, from Judah. And so Nehemiah, who was a Jew, asked his brother what was going on. He wanted to know the latest information about the people in Jerusalem. And this is what Nehemiah hears, verse 3. They said to me, 
Those who survive the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. I mean, this is horrible news. Things are not going well for the Jews in Jerusalem. The wall is broken down and the gates have been burned, which means the city is vulnerable to attack. Right? If, if, if the wall of the city is not intact, anyone can breach that wall. So they're in, in great trouble and disgrace. You know, it would be the same thing if, if, if someone you know, tore the, the front doors off of your house. It was just open. Right? Your family would be unprotected. So how does Nehemiah respond to this very troubling, very distressing news? Well, this is where we begin to see this window into Nehemiah's spiritual life. Look with me at verse 4. In fact, let's read this out loud together, okay? Read this out loud with me. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. This one verse is so instructive to us about prayer. As we saw last week, it lays a critical foundation, a critical invitation for us regarding prayer, and that is to come as you are. Don't come pretending to be more holy or more spiritual than you are. Don't come to prayer thinking you need to hide your real emotions or hide your sins or hide what you're really feeling. No, just, just come as you are. Be real. And we talked about that last week. So that's a critical foundation for prayer. And we see Nehemiah modeling it for us. But there's something else that Nehemiah instinctively does in this verse. He adds a power booster to his praying. So what is this power booster? Fasting. Fasting. We are told that for some days, Nehemiah mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. In his brokenheartedness, in his pain, Nehemiah chooses to fast as he's praying. Okay, so what exactly is fasting? At a, at a basic level, fasting is to go without food for a particular length of time. Now, there are all sorts of reasons why a person might fast. Maybe it's to lose weight or to do a body cleanse, all of which is fine. But biblical fasting is not about those things. Biblical fasting is fasting for a spiritual purpose. It is to choose to go without food for a period of time in order to, more, to focus more fully on the Lord. So in a very real sense, fasting is a power boost for our prayer lives. It is a powerful way to focus our heart and our mind on God. And in doing so, we add power to our praying. So, so if prayer, let me use an analogy here. If prayer is a flashlight, prayer and fasting are a laser. Fasting helps focus our prayers, which can add significant spiritual power to our praying. Often what we see in scripture is that people fast when they're needing some spiritual breakthrough, when they're facing some situation or challenge that they know is beyond their own ability to handle, a situation where they desperately need God to intervene. You see, this was the case for Nehemiah. He had just heard that the city of Jerusalem, the heart of the Jewish nation, is in shambles. He knows that what is needed in this situation is beyond his ability to fix. 
He knows that what is needed, most needed, is God's power being poured out in significant ways. They need a breakthrough. So what does he do? In his desperation, he shifts from a flashlight to a laser. Nehemiah fasts and prays for a spiritual breakthrough. But it is not only Nehemiah who does this. We see this over and over again in scripture when people are facing various challenges. For instance, in the book of Esther, in the Old Testament, when Esther knows that she needs to approach the king on behalf of her people and is very concerned about the, how the king could respond, he could kill her if he wanted to. I mean, she was very concerned about his reaction. She calls her people to fast on her behalf. She needs a breakthrough. Moses fasted at a critical time in the, in the life of the Jewish nation when they were receiving the Ten Commandments. Daniel fasted when he was needing insight and wisdom for his people. <clears throat> Often fasting is utilized in the midst of spiritual battles where breakthrough is needed. Daniel's one example um, in his fasting, there was a spiritual battle going on. But I think also of Jesus in Matthew chapter four, Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And Jesus chose to fast in the midst of that season of temptation. See, we often, we often think that his fasting made him more vulnerable to temptation, right? After all, the devil tempted him to turn a stone into bread, which would have been very tempting for someone who was hungry. You know, so we think that his fasting made him more vulnerable to temptation. But I think the opposite is the case. I think the opposite is the case. Because Jesus was fasting, he was actually more available to God's power and strength. Fasting enabled him to better resist temptation. Over and over again in scripture, we see people fasting when they need God to show up in a big way. Another example, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible, the nation of Judah hears about a huge army that is coming against them. And all the people, when they hear this, all the people, including King Jehoshaphat, are filled with fear. They are terrified. So what does he do? What does the king do? He calls the people to fast and to seek the Lord, together to fast and seek the Lord. And in that fasting, God gives a powerful prophetic word to his people. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle, this battle is not yours, but God's. That incredibly powerful, encouraging, life-giving word came in the midst of a fast. It came in the midst of a fast, and it opened a door for a huge breakthrough. You can read about it for yourself later in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. In Acts chapter 13, another example, we see the Holy Spirit giving critical direction to a group of leaders while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. You know, I find in my own life that when I fast, I often feel more attentive to the spirit, more spiritually in tune with the Lord. There is a more focused attentiveness upon him that often happens in fasting. And part of that, part of that is due to our love for food. We love to eat. 
So when we choose for a particular length of time to give that up, suddenly our focus is able to shift. See, there is something spiritually powerful that happens when we dethrone, even for a short period of time, when we dethrone the God of our stomachs. That's the language Paul uses in Philippians 3. Their God is their stomach. We don't often think about our eating being an idol, but it can be. I mean, we, let's just be honest, we love to eat. And that's an okay thing. But what, what can happen is that our lives, without realizing it sometimes, our lives can begin revolving around food. So that it becomes more than simply nourishment. It becomes a source of comfort. You know, this whole idea of comfort food, see, it, it, it is that we turn to eating to bring us comfort in our times of emotional sadness or distress rather than turn to the Lord. See, God wants us to find our ultimate comfort in him, not in what we eat. So by fasting, we dethrone the God of our stomachs, which enables us to focus more fully on the Lord. Our hunger for food can be redirected into a hunger towards a, into a hunger for the Lord. Our hunger for food can be redirected into a hunger for the Lord. I mean, remember, remember Jesus' response when, when he was fasting and the devil tempted him to turn the stone into bread. This is what Jesus said. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, clearly our love for food is to be submitted to a greater love, our love for God. Fasting enables that to happen. It reminds us of who our ultimate source for life is. And that can be an incredibly powerful thing, spiritually speaking. Now again, it's not just the fasting that is powerful. This is very important. It is the combination of fasting and prayer. That's what makes fasting um, powerful. Otherwise, fasting is just dieting, radical dieting. It, the, what makes it so spiritually powerful is the combination, combining fasting and prayer. We, we, we spend a lot of time eating. And so when we're fasting, suddenly we have more, much more time on our hands to pray. It's this very powerful combination of physical hunger being directed towards God. Now, while I've just told you um, why fasting does what it does, there, there is an aspect of it that, that is frankly unexplainable. It, it's unexplainable, sort of like giving. You know, you can't explain to your accountant how it works, that when you give to the Lord first, you tithe or whatever, how, there's provision that comes. You can't explain that, you know, in terms of on a paper and how all that works. It is, it's a mystery. The same thing is true with fasting. It is, it's supernatural. It's, it's mystical. It, fasting connects us to God in a way that is beyond this world. It just does. Again, it, it adds laser-like precision and power to our praying. That's what Nehemiah was doing in this passage. He knew he needed a breakthrough. He knew he needed a miracle. He knew he needed all the spiritual resources he could tap into for this situation. So he chose to go without food for a length of time and to seek the Lord earnestly on behalf of his people. 
So let me just ask, where are you needing a spiritual breakthrough in your life or in the life of someone you love? Where are you seeing a need for God's power or God's wisdom to be poured out in a significant way? Maybe it's a particular sin you struggle with. Maybe it's a need for healing or for wisdom regarding a decision. Maybe it's a, just a spirit of something at work that just, there's a heaviness or there's just an oppression, there's a spiritual battle going on in your workplace or in your home. Maybe it's a situation that seems beyond health. Maybe, like Nehemiah, it's a need that you see around you that absolutely breaks your heart. A need that causes you to weep, that causes you to long for things to change. Let me just ask, have you considered fasting about that? Whatever that breakthrough is, that need is, have you, have you considered fasting about that? Giving up food for a period of time to focus your prayers with laser-like precision? If not, why not? Why not do so? In fact, there's this really interesting and challenging statement by Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 when he says this. When you fast... Do not look somber like the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, there are two, there are a couple of really interesting things here to notice. First of all, one is that Jesus says, when you fast, not if. He doesn't say if you fast. He says, when you fast. From Jesus' perspective, fasting is something that his followers will do. His followers will fast. So if you're a follower of Jesus, and if there is no medical restriction on your ability to fast, fasting is something you do. That's what Jesus says. It's something we do. Jesus wants his followers, he expects his followers to fast. It's just as a part of what it means to be a follower. The other cool thing to note in Jesus' words is the reward for those who fast with a humble spirit. For those who fast, you know, not drawing attention to themselves and, oh, this is so hard. And, you know, someone was telling me about people getting on Facebook and, and talking about how hard the fast is and all that stuff. And that, that's, that's okay or whatever. But I think we got to be really careful that our fasting is ultimately, it's between the Lord and us. It's not for everyone else to know that we're fasting. And so Jesus is talking about people who are fasting not drawing attention to themselves. And he says that our Father, our Heavenly Father, who sees what is done in secret will reward you. There are rewards, there are blessings, there are breakthroughs that come through fasting. Now, one of the other things that we see in Scripture is that often fasting is not simply an individual experience, but it's a community one. It's a corporate one. Earlier, I mentioned Esther, who, who called her people to fast on her behalf, right? She called other people to fast together for, for a breakthrough as she approached the king. And it was a huge breakthrough, that whole story. It's amazing what happened. 
We also talked about Jehoshaphat in, in 2 Chronicles 20, calling the entire nation to fast as, as a huge army approach, and everyone was fasting, and that's when God gave this amazing prophetic word, and, and this amazing thing happened when the army showed up. I mean, it's just a really cool breakthrough. In the book of Joel, which is one of the minor prophets in the Old Testament, we don't talk a lot about the book of Joel, except when we're talking about Acts chapter 2, because Joel is the one that Peter quoted on Acts 2 when the Spirit was poured out upon the church on the day of Pentecost. Very, very significant Old Testament book. In that book, the prophet Joel, he speaks of the spiritual and physical devastation all around him. And then he gives this promise of the Spirit being poured out on sons and daughters, men and women. It's this amazing prophecy, right? Well, in this prophecy in Joel, Joel says to the priests at that time, he says this, declare a fast. Declare a holy fast. In other words, hey, spiritual leaders, call your people to fast. Look around you at the spiritual devastation going on and call your people to fast. And that's exactly what I'm doing today. I'm calling us as a church to fast this upcoming week. Would you prayerfully consider joining with our church body in fasting for five days this coming week? We are going to officially begin this fast Monday morning, January 11th, by not eating breakfast, and we will officially break our fast with dinner Friday night. Would you prayerfully consider fasting this coming week? Would you consider that? Would you pray about that? Even if you're unable to do the entire five-day fast, would you consider fasting for a portion of this coming week, perhaps a day or two? We did this last year, and it was really cool, and it was a really challenging experience for many of us, including, including me. I mean, it was the longest length of time that I had ever fasted. It was not easy, but it, it was life-giving. I remember the sense of nearness to God that week, just the spiritual attentiveness to him. And I also love that sense of camaraderie that, that, that I felt with those, all of those in the church who were fasting. I wasn't alone in this. We were seeking God together. It was a, it was a very powerful experience. And I believe God wants us to do the same thing again this year, to begin this year by seeking him with a renewed Focus. I mean, can you imagine the power of that as we together seek him earnestly for spiritual breakthroughs? Now, one thing that I've found helpful in fasting is to use the time I would be eating to focus on the Lord. I mean, if, if, you're, just fa if you're fasting and you're, you're skipping all your meals, but then you're just going doing more work, that sort of misses an opportunity in this fast to focus on the Lord. So if you usually eat lunch by yourself or whatever from noon to 1230, go find a quiet spot and pray. Go out to your car, turn the heater on, obviously, but go out to your car or someplace, read scripture, listen to worship music, just as a way of focusing your heart on the Lord during this time you would have been eating. Now, let me say... Um, that if you have any medical concerns, please talk to your doctor about whether this is okay for you. I encourage, I encourage us to use fruit juices when we fast, which can help with some of the, the hunger pains. Um, we put together a handout with a bit more information about fasting, and those will be available as you leave, as you, you exit. You, you can receive one of those. Um, now, please hear me. This is very, very important. This invitation to fast is not a legalistic requirement. It is not a measurement of spirituality. 
Rather, it's an opportunity for us to seek God together for spiritual breakthroughs in our lives, in our church, in our community, and in our world. Okay, those are some practical issues, but could I just set aside some of those practical issues and for just a couple minutes share my heart in terms of why I believe this is so important for us right now and what I believe God is calling us to seek him for. My heart um, for several weeks now has been captivated by Nehemiah, by this man, by his story, um, for, for the past several weeks, um, he hears that his hometown is not doing well. He hears that the walls of his city are broken down, and it breaks his heart. It moves him to weep and to fast and to pray, and it has made me wonder, is that my heart for my city? Is that my heart for our city? Is that your heart for our city? Do we see the spiritual walls that are broken down, the lives that are struggling all around us? See, I'm not sure we see the needs around us the way God does. I'm not sure our hearts are broken by the needs around us the way God's heart is broken. So I would love for us to fast for this primary reason. There may be other reasons we fast, but I would love for us to fast for this primary reason, for God to open our eyes to see our city and our region and our world the way he does for God to open our hearts to feel about our city and region and world the way he feels. As we have been thinking about for a number of, uh, a length of time here, as we've been thinking about, we as, we as leaders have been thinking about our vision as a church, there, there, are, there are nine areas of need that we believe God is calling us to focus towards, to focus our hearts towards and, 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 and we would love for us as a church to fast and pray this coming week regarding these things. Let me just share, I'm just going to briefly share these nine areas that we believe God is laying on our heart as a church. These are going to be included in your prayer calendar as you leave. One side will be the fasting information. The other side is going to be a prayer calendar for this week to guide our fasting. And so these things are going to be mentioned there in that calendar. But let me just mention these nine things. First of all, for children and families in our city. Marriages are falling apart. Marriages are breaking up. Families are, are in disarray. Children are often neglected, undernourished, unloved in our community. There are children in foster care that desperately need a forever family. Would you fast and pray with me this week about this need? Second, we want to be for the emotionally broken and addicted in our city. So many people, I get an email almost every week, at least one email almost every week, someone struggling with anxiety, people struggling with depression, people struggling with addictions. There are, there are many in our church family who struggle. There are many more outside of our church family who struggle. Would you pray with me this week about this? Third, for those who are caught in cycles of poverty in our city. So many people in our city are stuck in a cycle of poverty and they can't get out. They need more than a handout. They need to get out. They need major lifestyle adjustments and help to get out of that cycle. 
I just talked with a man just a few days ago. This is very fresh in my mind. I, I talked with a man, a Christian man in our city, who on Christmas morning, a few weeks ago, Christmas morning, he looked out his window in his neighborhood, on the west side of Greeley, looked at his neighborhood, everywhere his window, and he saw a man just standing out near the sidewalk. He was just standing there for several minutes, and it looked like he was maybe waiting for a ride or something, trying to make a call. He didn't know what was going on. So eventually he just went out to see what was going on. It was cold, obviously. Went out to go to see what was going on. This man had been out all night. All night. It was freezing to death. He brought him into his heated garage, right? Got him a coat and got him to help him warm up and all that. He offered to take him to wherever he needed to go, to wherever he wanted to go. And so they got in the car and as they drove along, this, this nearly frozen man just began weeping. That anyone would care enough to help him. Do we see these needs in our community? Fourth, for the refugees in our city, all around us, there are hundreds of refugees who have fled oppression in various parts of the world. They have fled war in various parts of the world. All they long for is a better life for their family. But that transition is hard. New culture, new language. We see in scripture, in Deuteronomy, other places, God's heart for the refugee is our heart for the refugee. Would you pray with me that God would move our hearts towards the refugees in our midst? Fifth, for those caught in gangs. I mean, gangs are a significant problem in our city, and it is not easy for people to break out of that fear-based, violent culture. Would you fast and pray with me for those caught in gangs? Sixth, for those disconnected from a church community. I don't, did you know that within 20 minutes of our West and our 15th Street campuses, within 20 minutes of those well over 150,000 people live, most of whom are not connected to a church, most of whom are not growing in a relationship with Jesus, if they even have a relationship with Jesus. Thousands and thousands and thousands of spiritually lost people all around us. Will you join me in fasting and praying for them? Seventh, for the marketplace. In our, in our city, we, we, in our community, we have all these places to go in our community, right? We, we have places we go in our community to buy things and to eat and to, to hang out and to build relationships. Do we see those places? Do we see those as places God can use us in? Would you fast and pray with me for God to use us in the marketplaces in our community where people hang out? Eighth, for leadership in our community. Leadership is critical for the gospel to advance. Do we see the need for godly leadership to be developed in every facet of our community? The church, the business world, education, politics, all of that. Would you pray with me for leaders to be developed, godly leaders to be developed? And ninth, for the expansion of the gospel around the world. Our world needs Jesus. In the midst of the darkness of terrorism and sex trafficking, would you join with me in praying for breakthroughs, for the gospel to, to, to advance in compassion and power? 
Those are the, are the areas, the nine areas that are on my heart and that I believe God wants to be on our heart as a church. What a powerful week this could be. As God opens our eyes and he opens our hearts to see our city and our region and our world the way he does. Would you join me? Join with me this week in praying and possibly fasting for this to happen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the challenge of your word. This amazing thing that you have given us, the, to, the spiritual power booster for our prayer lives. And God, we admit, for many of us here, we admit it's probably not something we do regularly, do very often, but we hear the challenge from your word. And I pray that our hearts would be open to fasting for part or all of this coming week. And I pray, that whether we do it or not, I pray that we would be a people, we, are, we would be seeking you earnestly this week. God, we just admit our hearts, we need the heart of Nehemiah who saw his city and he wept and he fasted and he prayed. We need his heart. We need that heart for our city, for our community, for this region, for this world. Would you break our hearts with these things? God, so often, and I confess, I'm at the first of the line here so often, we don't really care that much. We're so just focused on our own lives being comfortable and having what we need that it's so easy to lose sight of the people around us that live around us, that live in this community with us. So Lord, would you tear off the blinders? Would you soften our hearts to see and to feel what you feel, to see what you see? And to pray together this week that you would hear our prayers for families and children. God, you would hear our prayers for the emotionally broken and the addicted. You would hear our prayers for those caught in cycles of poverty. You would hear our prayers for the refugee and for those caught in gangs. You would hear our prayers for the lost in this city, in this region. You would hear our prayers for the marketplace and for leaders and for the advancement of the gospel around the world. You would hear our prayers as we seek you together. God, I pray for each one of us here. There are some here, maybe they've never fasted before. They're not sure what this is going to be like or anything. I just pray you would meet all of us as we just do what you're calling us to do. This isn't about guilt or anything like that. We just want to, if you're calling us to do this, Lord, we want to do it. And so I pray that you would meet us in that place. Not only individually, I, I do pray for spiritual breakthroughs individually in individual people's lives and circumstances and situations and workplaces and all of those just amazing spiritual breakthroughs there. But I also pray that as we seek you corporately, you would pour out your spirit in amazing ways. We know apart from you, we can do nothing. We can do nothing. So we offer ourselves to you. We seek you with a holy desperation like Nehemiah.
And we pray for breakthroughs. We pray that you would pour out your spirit upon us and through us to impact this city and this region and this world for you. So thank you, thank you, Lord, for hearing this prayer and thank you for what you're gonna do in us this coming week. We love you, we love you, we worship you, God. We seek you. Even now, together, we seek you. So why don't we stand and, uh, and the worship team is gonna lead us in worship. If you wanna sit down at some point, that's totally fine, but let's begin standing as we seek the Lord together. We love you. Set us free to worship you, Jesus. Thank you, God.